you're listening to the Bossy Bitch Podcast with Elsa Mitchell. Come along with me as I explore all the remote corners of Australia, uncovering success stories from women killing it in business. I'll inspire you, teach you, and best of all, make you laugh by sharing their journey and mine so that we can grow together in life and in business. Mom, have you seen my pants? Right, get out of here with the podcast. Welcome to the Bossy Bitch Podcast. Uh, today, like all days, I'm having a really fun chat and today's guest is somebody that kind of pretty much sums up why I started this podcast and like most of my guests, I don't get people on here unless I love them, right? I mean, I'm not going to get people on here that I don't love. So, uh, But I do this thing at the start of my podcast where I just rave about my guests and blow smoke up their ass and I can see on my camera today just how much this is going to make this person squirm. <laughs> but my podcast was is about and it was about finding people because I'm such a believer that there are so many truly amazing, incredible people doing really amazing things in the world. And so often they're flying under the radar. Like this is the point of this podcast is finding those women that are freaking amazing, but you go and you do a bit of a search on the internet and you don't always find them. They don't have hundreds of thousands of followers because guess what? Oh my God you can actually be really amazing at what you do and not have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. Shocker. So today I am talking to Susan Hughes and everyone that knows me or has ever worked with me will understand that one of my creative processes, whenever I speak to anybody or work with anyone, is I write everything down. Like I love to write notes. I've got thousands of notebooks. Do I ever go back and read it? No. It's just part of my creative process. But when I speak to Susan, Everything stops. The pen goes down. I don't touch my notebook because I literally sit there so captivated by everything that comes out of your mouth, Susan. And I know at this point you must be like, oh my God, I'm getting off this call. But thank you for joining me today. (laughs) Thank you, Elsa. Yes, I'm suitably embarrassed. Susan is an ADHD parent coach and educator and uh, what a great time to be talking about this because I don't have any stats but I'm pretty sure ADHD uh, and even adult ADHD, it's a huge, 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 huge topic in the world right now and Susan, I'm going to let you tell your story. I'm not going to tell it for you, but before we launch into kind of what it is that you're doing and how you're doing it and have a really juicy chat about that, can you just share with my listeners you, about you and your story? (laughs) Sure. So I had um, a very corporate career, 25 years in the finance world, mainly in Ireland and the UK, and I always knew there was something else I should be doing. I was reasonably successful, got to middle management, earning big bucks, but was just deeply unsatisfied with it all. And it took having my first child to make me really question what I was doing. So I actually reckon, when I look back, and I actually think I had a bit of a nervous breakdown when I went back to work, because I was so busy proving to myself, actually, not to anyone else, that nothing had changed and life was just carry on as normal. And so I actually think I gave myself a little bit of a nervous breakdown. And very luckily, I got to speak to this amazing, very wise counsellor who basically told me I was absolutely not being congruent with my life and I had to do something differently. So I actually trained as a coach when I was still in Ireland and the kids were one and three. 
because I always had a deep instinct to want to be able to help people, work with them, make their lives easier. So even in the corporate world, that's actually where I found some satisfaction, problem solving and working through stuff. But we still were unhappy living in Dublin as a family. Um, I have a wonderful husband. Um, we're married 28 years and we still like each other, which I think is a great achievement. That's <laughs> a fucking massive achievement. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. So we knew we wanted to do something else. So we decided to move to Australia. So we came to Australia with a two and a four-year-old. They were two and a half and four. And I look back and I go, oh my God, we were so incredibly brave or stupid. I don't know which it was. Like we came here, no jobs, no house, no nothing. We got in in my accountancy qualification, but I knew I was never going to be an accountant again. (laughs) He's an engineering background, but not time served rather than degree wise. So that that was the base we got in. So we moved here anyway, two and a four and a half-year-old. And my four and a half-year-old obviously was starting school. So off he goes to school. And when you look back at it, you think, you kind of know, it's a, a mom's instinct. That I knew there was something going on for him, but I didn't, I just thought he was a very sensitive child. So the first, he started midway through kindy, and it was an okay few months. But I think the first, the first bit of disquiet for me was he'd come home every single day and he could tell me nothing of what had happened in his day. <laughs> and so I was like letting him off to this strange place and I had no clue what was happening from one end of the day to the next. But he seemed okay. Like he wasn't unhappy. I seemed to be making friends. And the end of the day, to my mind, that was actually all that mattered. Mm-hmm. So we get to pre-primary and we're at probably halfway through pre-primary and she calls me aside and she was a lovely teacher. She called me aside and said, I think there's going something going on for your son. He's very distracted and he's very daydreamy was the word she used. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. So carried on, went to year one. And all of a sudden I'm in as a school. So my, my decided the way I was going to get involved was be a parent helper as much as I could. So I was in the classroom doing reading. And then remember there was one child who came up with, I'm going to say like a Harry Potter book in year one. I was reading it fluently, <laughs> and I'm going, oh dear God, <laughs> my poor child can barely write his name. Bloody overachievers. <laughs> now, it was utterly, absolutely was, and utterly the other extreme. But it really made me go, hmm, <laughs> maybe there's something going on here. Um, year one was the most horrible, awful year. I hadn't a clue what I was doing. The teacher one day called me aside and said, maybe he was a little bit autistic. And I'm going, dear God. Oh my <laughs> retrospect, God. I know that's not the way you would deliver a message to a parent. But also, just, Welcome to Australia where we call a spider like spine. <laughs> yeah, well, you just don't want to stay something like that to new parents. <laughs> so I knew there was something going on, but I had no clue what it was. So into year two, and I said to the year two teacher, there's something going on. We don't know what it is. Can you just observe him for a few months? I'll come back to you at the end of year one, uh, term one. So I'm back to her at the end of term one. She goes, yep, you're right. There is something going on. She said, I think it's got to do with his, lear- his learning to read. And she said, don't even bother to go, go to school psychology. It'll take too long. I'll give you the name of a tutor. So sure enough, he went to a tutor for five terms. And basically the tutor taught him how to read. It turned out he had dyslexia. Okay, that's fine. So we got that sorted in that yep. he learned how to read. And even now, he's quite, a, he's quite funny. Like, he's now 19, like, twice the size of me. But he still doesn't enjoy reading. But he can read to get by. And at the end of the day, that's all life is about. You know, I'm an engineering husband who never reads a novel. But by gosh, he can read if he needs to. So at the end of the day, 
you know, reading is just about getting by. If reading for pleasure is a whole different, different thing, I'm a voracious reader. My son's never going to be one. So we're in year three and things are still going. They're not, they're just not going smoothly for him. School was just too hard for him. You have an instinct. I knew he was a really bright kid. You know, intelligence are genetic. <laughs> and my, my husband and I are both reasonably clever. So there was a very good chance he was yeah. going to have a good brain as well. And school was just too hard for him. And along the same time, I was working with another lady who, uh, who is an ADHD coach, Michelle Toner. And she actually was the one who first said to me, maybe my son has ADHD. And so from talking to her, I made the decision to actually go back to university and learn more about ADHD and become an ADHD coach. I love and this, this was in the concurrent journey of my own son. And one of the, the absolute deciding factors to me, I think it was in year four, and he was just newly diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia. And she looked at me and says, I don't know. I went, oh, great. That's just wonderful. <laughs> so I'll go, I'll go back to university and learn then. <laughs> I'll just figure this shit out myself. <laughs> so essentially, that's what, I, that's what drove me to do it. And I'm so, so grateful that I took that direction in my path because I was struggling with parenting anyway. I did not have a good role model parent. My mom was a deeply unhappy woman and as a result, drank far too much. She'd now be what we'd call a binge drinker. So as a result, she was very bitter, (laughs) but she was very bitter about it. It brought out the worst in her. And so she absolutely was not the parent I needed. So I had a difficult childhood, very, no emotional support, not abused or beaten up or or had everything material, but zero emotional support. Yeah, And so I recognized that I had, didn't have a role model and I knew I needed to do it, learn it differently. So that was my other interest in parenting as well. I knew I needed to do parenting differently to what I'd experienced. And again, met on, on, you know, when you look back in life, you meet certain people at different paths. I met a lady called Tracy Trester who introduced me to the concept of ADHD coaching, parent coaching. And it was there that I actually realized this is what I need to be doing. So when I was back in uni, I, got, I was just again, again, I look back at the path and I actually don't know how it happened. I walked, I walked into ECU and I met the, the, the director of, of education and basically said, I don't want to teach, but I want to learn more. And bless her, she allowed me to join the Masters of Education course and she said, which was the course based <laughs> one. And she told me if I worked hard for the first term, first semester, she'd be able to transfer me to the research. So that's what I did. I went in and worked my butt off. <laughs> and got transferred to the research, which is what I wanted. I wanted to be able to do research on ADHD and um, parenting. I just feel like at this point, I just need to interrupt and say, you sound like a pretty fucking good mum to me. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, you didn't see me those days when I used to lose my shit with my son because he'd be like me. My youngest was very, very, very reactive the same way I am. So he'd get annoyed and I'd get annoyed as well. And within two seconds, two of us were screaming and shouting at him. And yeah. then I'm giving out because he's shouting and screaming at me. And it was like, I had a dull moment one day. Well, of course he's shouting at you, Susan. You're shouting at him. He's just replicating yeah. what you're doing. So I, I last slapped him when he was two and a half or three. And the look of hate he gave me was when I realized I have to learn another way of doing this. He yes. turned around and gave me such a look that it just floored me. And I'm mm. so grateful that I recognized that look. If I carried on like that, I was going to completely destroy my relationship with him. And he would now be drinking and drugging, probably. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, still, but in it, the background, you were still doing this research and like getting a degree, like going like that's massive. Like, yeah, but massive. you know, it's, it, I, I've always enjoyed learning. I've always been a lifelong learner. 
you know, like yes, my kids and that's what I love me. about you. Know, you. I did my, I did my counsel. I did interior design at one stage. I have a diploma in interior <laughs> design, <laughs> and then I went off to do a masters of education. You know, <laughs> so I've always been into education. I love, I love education. So the research was the benefit of coaching parents who are raising children with ADHD, and it was a, a fantastic learning for me because I have a deep knowledge of ADHD as a result. I have a knowledge of parenting and obviously I have the lived experience now mm. as well because we've been now living with ADHD confirmed for, he's now 19, so 10, 11 years. And what I really recognized was as a parent, there's so much you can do to support them through life, to make the other aspects of life that doesn't support them more bearable and to explain it to them. So one of the basic lessons I gave my son when he was in school was, it's not your job to figure out how to be taught. It's your job to do your best, but it's the teacher's job to figure out how to teach you. Mm. So if it's not working, it's not on you, it's on the teacher. But they <laughs> believe that it's on them. And that's such a horrible way to feel. This is our education system, unfortunately. Children are led to believe if they can't learn, there's something wrong with them, as opposed to it's the environment. And that's absolutely so important for self-esteem. And I don't want to shit on teachers right now because... No, no, I don't either. But, but, oh, God, um, no. I was about I to think say... teachers we... are flipping amazing. They do oh, a absolutely. I mean, there's no way in hell you'd see me doing it. I would, yeah, it wouldn't end up well. I'd probably end up hitting a kid. No. <laughs> but we well, had... It's, a... it's back, but it's back to what you were talking about. ADHD is not understood by our society. No. It's not understood by our edu- education system. It's debilitating. True ADHD is debilitating. It's yeah. not like forgetful of not being able to do something. It's not being able to get started on something, even though you know the consequences are not going to be good. Like, you yes. know, it's just, you know, I watch my son. He's doing fabulously, but the stuff he has to deal with just to get through your normal day is really difficult. Forcing himself to do stuff, you know. And everything you're saying right now would speak to every person that has ADHD, every parent of a kid that has ADHD, and, you know, they would fully resonate with every single thing you're saying. And, you know, I was going to reference an example of, um, again, not shitting on teachers, but there's been a bit of a laughing matter at my kid's school recently when the whole of Year 7 failed the science test and the teacher was (laughs) furious and I was like, and all us mums are going, I just kind of feel like if the entire year failed, then that's a reflection on the science teacher and not the kids. Absolutely. Something wrong. I feel like, because I think she gave him a real good serve too, like she was furious and I'm like, I feel like you guys aren't at fault here, like just throwing it out there. And I mean, it's got nothing in comparison to what you're saying, but it's one of the no, things. but I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Like I, I, I have so much empathy for teachers because they have so much going on in their classrooms. You know, they have mm. at least five or six children who have special needs of some sort in every classroom. You know, it's, it's massive. And if you're on your own in the classroom, then it's just so difficult because it's so difficult to give any kind of individual support that they need. I'm on my own in my house with my three kids and I'm struggling. <laughs> and they don't have ADHD. Well, I mean, I don't think they do. They don't have ADHD. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I feel for yeah. those teachers. Like, And this is what I loved when I spoke to you. Like you light up like a Christmas tree. Like you're just so passionate. And um, 
it's huge. What you've done is huge. To go to the lengths of getting all the degrees, the education, and I loved what you said before about, you know, lived experience as well as, you know, learning and gaining all the knowledge. And I did, I've had a little joke with you off the podcast about how I have a little bit of a, a beef and this is, I don't, you know, this is probably going to trigger some imposter syndrome from some people. But you see online now, anybody can just decide to step into a space and be an expert on in that space, like anybody. And it happens a lot. And there's certain spaces or niches or whatever you want to call them where I think that's a dangerous, a really dangerous line to walk because, you know, you're dealing with these kids' lives. It's big, big stuff. And like you said before, some of the things can be so, so, so damaging if it's not done right. Yeah. And I'm, you know, these kids with ADHD or, or, or anxiety or anything in the mental health space or learning, or, or all of that, I think is a really, really sensitive space. And people need to be a little bit more cautious of just deciding. <laughs> to be experts in that space um, and I love that about you I love that you'll I mean how many people out there can go I went and got a degree and then I went and did this and I went and did this and and you're still doing it <laughs> well yeah well the problem with it, with ADHD is it's the most researched disorder so actually to stay up with the, with the um the current research and literature is actually can be really challenging. But the difference for me is I'm only looking at ADHD. If you're a pediatrician or a psychiatrist or even a GP, they have so much to get across. So it's really, really difficult, whereas I am only looking at ADHD. Now, by default, I have had to learn about other things that come with ADHD because ADHD is very rare to be diagnosed alone. So obviously, I know a fair bit about learning difficulties. I know a fair bit about anxiety and recently have tried to upskill myself more about ASD because they're very common. They go together. Mm. But ultimately, the difference in what I do is I work with the parents. I'm providing support directly to the parents because honestly, Elsa, it's so challenging raising these kids because if you feel terribly isolated, I was lucky, I'm inverted commas, that my son with, with ADHD doesn't have any emotional um, aspects. So he is very emotionally stable, which is unusual for people with ADHD. Often people with ADHD are much more reactive like I am. So I know I have ADHD traits, but I don't have full-blown ADHD. Mm. And my youngest son, hugely reactive, but his reactivity comes more from anxiety than ADHD. So again, it's like it's being as a parent being able to unpick what's actually going on is incredibly challenging. But the biggest problem is we get triggered. So you ask mm. your child of eight or nine to go and do something. Like even getting out the door in the morning has to be the most stressful time in any family living with ADHD. Because you have to be somewhere at a certain hour every single morning or five mornings a week or even six or seven if you're doing sports. So your, your ADHD child will be distracted or wandering around the house or forgotten what they're meant to be doing next at maybe eight or 10. Whereas a neurotypical child, by the time they get to eight or 10, are pretty good. They know what they need to do to get out the door in the morning. Mm. Our children don't because their brains are just not wired that way. So they're wandering around. And as a parent, you're looking and going, why can't you just... <laughs> and it's because of the way their brain wired. If you don't know that as a parent, you get really frustrated with them oh. you get angry you escalate the whole thing but the real damage is done is the shame you create in the child because the child then internalizes, why can't i get dressed what's wrong with mm. me that's where it becomes dangerous that's where you damage your self-esteem unwittingly of course 
And it's such an eye opener when you say that because you know even even just in life, right? As a parent, a parent, we're all busting our balls. We're working. We're stressing yeah. about yeah. bills. We're stressing about paying ten dollars for a lettuce. We're stressing about like you know the and the kids. There is so much, and I don't know. I I think most people these days can relate to how many freaking emails you get from the school. Like yeah, I, yeah. before I jumped on this call, was trying to go clean out my inbox and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have hundreds of emails from the school. So you're keeping on top of, you know, all the activities and the things they need to be doing and all of that. And then so your fuse is already really short, right? Correct. Like Correct. Yeah. I know for me, <laughs> you know, I'm like, ah you know ranting and raving and a bit of a lunatic in the mornings because I'm anxious and I'm stressed because I'm like oh my god I've got many things yeah, to yeah. do today you've got, yeah you've got yeah. to go and things to do yeah absolutely yeah. exactly yeah. so we're already running on fumes so then it's like you know how do you get these parents to kind of hit pause and look at doing things differently and this is what so I loved I, about I you I teach mindful parenting as part of my training yeah and basically what mindful parenting is it's not mindfulness as such because mindfulness kind of negative connotation because full-blown mindfulness is bloody hard i've been struggling <laughs> to do it for a good six years now and it's really hard yeah but mindful parenting is just about taking notice of my emotions and their notions without judgment so if you take notice of the emotions actually happening then you have a better chance of actually being able to choose your next action but if you're not even knowing that i'm actually feeling really irritated or frustrated or angry or whatever it is that your feeling is, then you actually don't give yourself any space to pause. So the simplest and, and best thing to do is those three deep breaths, which sound ridiculous. How can three deep breaths work? But if you actually go, actually, what well, I can feel the emotion rising, you take three deep breaths, that then gives you the space. Okay, have I actually regulated myself in any way or am I still feeling so when I first started to do that I take the three breaths and go right well there'll be a consequence for this I'll come back and tell you what it is <laughs> because I knew it was better to say that than threaten something like I don't know no technology for months yeah which then the following day you're going god damn it what did I do that for that's you're gonna like, punish me more than no. the giants yeah. <laughs> I have to follow through on that. God damn it. So it's it's taking that moment to actually pause and go, okay, what actually is the right step? And if your child is emotional at the same time, then you have to be able to pull back. Because if we get emotional, we just push them up further and further and further and the whole thing escalates into a housing match. And then you're miserable because you, you go to bed Correct. at night feeling like absolute shit and every mother listening to this podcast, you know, <laughs> whether you have – ADHD child or not can relate to going to bed at night and going tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do it better yeah (laughs) then you wake up that's okay you can do that (laughs) that is okay like that's the beauty of human of humanity you can start afresh every day you really can and even if your child is well into their teens there's still new ways of doing it to try and build that relationship with them so the biggest difficulty I see with parenting is when, when you have a child who's that strong, independent, fi- defiant streak. So it's, that's kind of like you're, they're born with that certain reaction to things. My youngest definitely had that. 
And I, I knew instinctively from the very beginning, I had to learn how, how do you channel this and not squash it? Yeah. <laughs> that is the challenge because when they come out fighting at two and a half and three, you know, like toddler, you know, the terrible two started at one, they finished at five with this kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was just awful. But it was actually, again, in retrospect, it was anxiety-based for him. Yeah. So it was the combination of anxiety plus that strong fight reaction made him an absolute bloody nightmare to live with. Yeah. And that's what happens. You know, it's just so difficult if you don't understand what's going on. So that's what I teach. I teach what's going on underneath the behavior. Um, yeah. And specifically in relation to ADHD, because so much of it looks like a choice. They look like they're choosing not to listen to us. They look like they're choosing not to wash their teeth. They look like they're choosing not to go into the shower. They look like they're choosing not to move their shoes the 50th time off the middle of the floor. <laughs> yes, they, they yes. Just, it look, looked like they're not picking up their towel. It looks like they're choosing this behavior. Whereas yeah. in actual fact, they, you know, the towel has dropped, they've moved on, they've completely forgotten about it. And so I know that um, you've got, just for everybody listening, I got to uh, like when we chatted and I said you uh, you I could see the fire in you and you were like I have this thing and it works it works and you said to me I know and you see it all the time because you work with people and parents all the time and you're like it works and so that thing is like how do you get that more out into the world to make a bigger impact and this kind of goes back to a little bit as well, uh, another big conversation. I'm going to say this because I know that so many people can relate to this, right? Like we live in this world now where quite often it's the personality and your Instagram profile and your dancing and that gets you over the line. And how do you know what's what's what and what's not? And so much, it's hard to know what the good stuff is. Yes, even in yeah. my space, I talk about all the time, you get these coaches or mentors and they're like, they load up these programs or offerings with cheat sheets and courses and goal setting tools and, and there's so much and you're like, well, what's the good stuff, you know? And I love that you were just like, I have this program. I think I'm going to let you talk about it, how it works. I know you've got a course and you're like, it works and I was like we need this out here in the world and 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 you said like this is changing kids lives I know you work with the parents but by working with the parents like this is setting these kids up to have the best opportunity you know that they possibly can so how do you work with the parents how what, what do you offer to support the parents so I have been delivering an a face-to-face parenting course for parenting connections for the last four years And I've also been working one-to-one ADHD parent coaching. But what I discovered from the ADHD parent coaching is people say they sign up for four sessions. So much of the session is actually taken up with the ADHD education that I wasn't getting enough time to do the coaching part. So what I've done is actually combine the two. So the training part or the education part is delivered um, over four modules. um, So videos, basically, where where they're pre-recorded. You get access to those and they're drip-fed. You get one a week. But then at the end of each week, you also get a group coaching call. And the beauty of the coaching calls is that you, you get access to me if anything you're not following or if you're having difficulty with something, I can help you work, work through that. But it's also the huge advantage is meeting other parents yeah. on the same journey because the feedback I constantly get, it's so nice to meet other parents who are on the same page as we are. 
because you can say something and all the, all the parents are nodding. <laughs> so one parent is describing something they experienced that morning or whatever, and everybody's nodding on the call. You know, it's just so great to see. Um, so that's that's a really good part. But also it's the, you know, training is all very well, which sometimes you need to be able to talk to somebody about, I understand what you're saying, but I can't do that. And so then what I'll do is I'll unpick the bits you could do. So to me, it's a principle-based course. I'm teaching about the principles of ADHD and the strategies that can work. But ultimately, you have to pick out the parts as a parent that you know you can do. That's the beauty of it. So we, and we also, we, also, we also go, there's a full session on our own emotions, learning why we get triggered and giving you strategies to actually counteract it. Now, it's working because it gives people education about ADHD. It gives some genuine strategies. It starts that journey of the awareness of, for a parent that actually our own emotions feed hugely into parenting. So if we can start ra- raising that awareness of what's going on, then we can actually start to meet the child where they're at. And then the last part, I talk about some practical stuff of how to deal with siblings because it can be more mm. complex if you've got ADHD in the family. Technology, use of technology, it's a scourge for every family, but it is definitely worse for ADHD kids because they have, they're more vulnerable to the being drawn into screens and, and obviously how to deal with schools. They're, they're probably the three most common um, everyday life events I see. And I love how what you said in there is that, you know, you have this program, but you recognize that some things don't work for everybody, right? So you've, that's what's, I think, so magical about it is it's not that cookie cutter, like you have to do it exactly this way because the reality is, you know, some of us, like, we're just not capable of certain things, you know. We know ourselves well enough to go, I'm not going to, I know me that I'm not going to, you know, that's going to be tricky for me. So you focus on what does yeah. work for each person. Um and the other thing I'm going to say is because I know you won't say it is um, <clears throat> I don't think there'd be many people out there that legitimately care as much as you do about making this impact. And I have spoken to you several times now and I, I, I the first thing I said to Susan was like, you need to be on a stage somewhere. <laughs> you need to have your own podcast. You need to be on, you need to be speaking because I guess it's hard to keep people interested and captivated and engaged with, you know, like like I said to you before, I have that person that gets involved in courses and I always end up falling asleep and I don't do it. <laughs> I watch the videos and and um, literally I fall asleep halfway through. So that's that's a real massive gift of yours is because it shines through. Like you are just so passionate and so genuine and I know that you, with the people you work with, like you, they are engaged, fully engaged and I'm going to stop because I can tell that you're squirming going, stop saying nice things about me. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I'm Irish at the end of the day. I'm, you know, we're brought up by Catholics. We're not, you're, you're not meant to think well of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Isn't it funny? And I said this to you. I am so so good, at, but I don't say if I don't mean it. I'm I'm I like to think I'm a no bullshit person, and I won't I don't blow smoke up people's ass unless I genuinely genuinely believe it. I get people contact me every day 
were asking to come on my podcast and sometimes they're quite big name people. I don't get anybody on here unless I know them, I've met them and I've spoken to them and I genuinely feel like, wow, this is like a really good conversation. So, but I'm also very good at doing it and I'm if people are nice to me and give me compliments, I'm like, back away. <laughs> I don't like to hear it either. I'm like, you're lying like my partner all the time, he's just like the compliment king and I'm like, stop it, you take it too far, I can't cope, all these compliments make me sick. So I get it. Yeah, uh, yeah it's all got to do with our upbringing, isn't it? And yeah, <laughs> certainly in Ireland you were, you were considered too big for your boots if you, uh, if you uh, boasted, yeah, very much. Oh, so. absolutely. Don't be, no one likes a bragger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've said that to my kids before. <laughs> I'm so bad. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing. I do, I know every time I speak to you, we end up talking for like two hours because I find it so interesting. But what people can do is um, I'm going to post the links in the show notes to your website or to whatever ways to get in touch with you, Susan. Um, is, do you have a preferred way people can get in touch if they want to find out more about joining your course? Yes, well, you? you can go on my website, which is literally susanhughes.com.au, and I'm calling the course the Confident ADHD Parent Formula. I love so it. If you, if, yeah, so my idea is that there's a formula to how we can actually be more confident and tap into our own innate strengths, because to me, that's the secret of it. We yep. all obviously have strengths, and it's tapping into those. I also think, um, just lastly, that what you said earlier about having the other parents on that call, that is would be huge finding yeah. that community yeah. and those other people and a safe space where you can kind of be like no doubt just dump all this stuff you probably yeah. wouldn't want to say to anybody else and well, have indeed, that support yeah. just having um, that safe space yeah the other way of doing it is as if you're co-parenting with somebody you can actually do it privately so you can still do the course but you do the coaching privately for say a couple or two yep. people who are parented together, that can work really well as well. Because I certainly notice a lot, if you've got two parents who have different views of how it should be done, that can create huge tension. Um, yeah, that's that a whole other really ball game. So learning the skills together and learning education together can help to put you back on the same page, which is really great because there's nothing like kids to tap into it. When they, when they see that divide, they just straight on it. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that's a whole nother topic. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, it is. you're almost like a marriage counsellor as well because how often are you like, don't talk to him like that? Like, or don't, you know, you're too hard on him or you're too, you shouldn't have said that or, oh, just, you know, this time. Uh, so to have to support each other within a marriage in the parenting, like, that's a whole other ballgame as well. You're like superwoman, Susan. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about the fact that obviously ADHD is hereditable. So often you can have parents who may not even know they have ADHD. So, you know, we haven't like, even talked me. about that. These, these, these families are <laughs> complex families at the end of the day. And it's, you know, it's so often, you know, people learn about the ADHD for their child and, and then they go, oh, actually, that sounds very familiar. Maybe that's me as well. And you don't always have to go and get a diagnosis, but understanding why and how your brain ticks that it how it does can be really useful and obviously getting diagnosed at the moment is a nightmare anyway it's two-year waiting list for everything so I guess mm. that's some, something you can do in, in while you're waiting is to do a course like this um, absolutely you know, be, actually that's so parent good. training does definitely support um, families well because you have everything to gain and nothing to lose by just treating the problem well not the problem but the situation sorry you know like 
Yeah, it's, it's really, to me, it's about greater understanding. If you genuinely understand why your child is behaving the way they are, you then go, oh, hang on, that's the ADHD. That's why they're... And I still have to remind myself of my 19-year-old when I want to throttle him. He's into cars at the moment. There's a car. There's bits of cars all over my house. And I have to remind myself, it's the ADHD. It's the reason he's walked away and left something in the middle of the floor. Yeah, and it's kind of, I guess, and it, then it, I guess, empowers you to look at it from a place of a bit more love and compassion as opposed compassion to wanting yeah. to throttle them. Thank you so much, Susan. I feel like we're going to have to have another one of these chats at some point. Um, <laughs> I can talk ADHD for hours, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, like I say, huge topic. And, you know, even adult ADHD, we know for sure the stats at the moment of like yeah. it's like doubled or tripled yeah. the amount of so people. much more awareness yeah it's like crazy so um it's a big topic but it's a really important topic and thank you so much for chatting to me today all your details will details where are my words will be in the show notes for everybody to come and stalk you thanks thank you it's been lovely Thank you for listening to the Bossy Bitch Podcast. I am Elsa Mitchell and you can find me at elsamitchell.com.au or if you'd like to meet my friends, please head on over to Facebook and I invite you to join our free group, Bossy Bitch. Bossy Bitch.